discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord? Well, I want to share some few things with you, isn't it? We've been talking about how to eat the word, isn't it? So this is how to eat the word. And, and it's, it started from what I shared with you on 31st December. Okay, so all that we are sharing is explaining what all that we've shared, we shared on 31st December. Praise the Lord. You know, so on 31st, I started by talking about how that the word of God is the most important thing for our lives, isn't it? The word of God is important though. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 13, isn't it? The message version says, ignore the word and suffer. Ignore the word and suffer. Honor God's word and grow rich. Ignore the word and suffer. Honor God's word. Honor God's commands. God's commands is God's word. If you read the Old Testament, you see instructions, commands, laws, uh, testimonies, statutes, what? Judgments. All those words mean the word of God. Okay? So it says, ignore the word and suffer. How many of you want to suffer? Do you like to suffer? You don't like to suffer? I don't know what you like to suffer. Beverly, do you like to suffer? Then don't ignore the word. If you ignore the word, what is going to happen to you? Claudia, what, what will happen to you? You will suffer. Ignore God's word. And I'm not the one saying it. The Bible is the one saying it. It says, ignore God's word and suffer. Brian, what, what, what do you think about that? Peter, what do you think? It's powerful. Adwa, are you going to ignore God's word? You don't ignore God's word. Eugene, is it Bible? It's Bible. There are some people who ignore God's word. And so suffering is their portion. I refuse to suffer. I don't know if you like good things. Do you like good life? How many of you like good life? Good life comes out of God's word. Look at Isaiah chapter 8. Verse, my, my wife showed me the scripture. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19. Isaiah 8, 19. When people ignore God's word, after some time you realize that, hey, it is not easy for them. He says, and when they shall say unto you, this KJV, let's message, message. Message version is nice. KJV in this one is not nice much. It's nice, but it's not much. He says, when people tell you, try out the fortune tellers. Consult the spiritualists. Why do people get to this point in their lives? Because they ignore the word. They want quick solution. Quick something. Something should happen quickly for them. He says, when people tell you, try out the fortune tellers. Consult the spiritualists. If you are a church member in any church, 
and you are able to move from your church that you are in to go to a certain prophet somewhere, you should know that you are falling in line with this category. You want a quick fix. You don't want the word of God because the word that the pastor is sharing with you is not powerful enough. You need to contact a certain prophet somewhere for consultation, for uh, direction, for a quick fix, for something that will come quickly, for someone to tell you about your life. When people tell you, try out the fortune tellers, like you get to a certain point, you, you are stuck. So you are wondering, you want something quick, something to happen quickly. But it is not through fortune tellers. It's try out the fortune tellers, consult the spiritualists. Why not tap into the spirit world? Why not tap into? Why not tap into the spirit world? Get in touch with the dead. There was a prophet right here in this country who was calling dead people and telling the dead people to talk to their family members and tell them what killed them or what they want them to do. Like the person died, there's no will, so come come and see me. Prophet, right here in this country, and it was on TV for many years. How many of you saw it? Yeah, it was on Metro TV some years ago, many years ago. It's not, it's not on TV anymore. God has taken him out of there. You can't do that in the house of God. You can survive for some time, but after some, some time, you can't go again. He was calling spirits. Hey! Contact, get in touch with the dead. He says, look at that. Look at the reply God says you should give to them. Go to the next verse. Tell them, no. We are going to study the scriptures. Tell them, no. We are going to study the scriptures. We are going to study the scriptures. That is where the thing is. That is where the solution is. That is, if you want a proper solution, it is in the scriptures. Tell them no. We are going to study the scriptures. Tell them no. We are going to study the scriptures. Then he says, people who try other ways get nowhere. A dead end. People who try other ways get nowhere. A dead end. Tell them what? No, 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 no. Do you understand no? Say no and let me see if you understand no. What are we going to do? We are going to study the scriptures. Yeah. We are going to study the scriptures. All those who try other means get to a dead end. Eh? Go to the next verse. Frustrated and famished. They try one thing after another. When nothing works out, they get angry. Cursing first this God and then that one. Looking this way and that. Up and down. Sideways and seeing nothing. So, brothers and sisters, there is no solution anywhere. You better start reading your Bible. You want a good life? You better start reading your Bible. You want a good life? You have to be interested in meditation. I don't know what else you want the Bible has clearly showed us. It says, this is it. This is it. You want a good job? Study the scriptures. It's not by going to a certain prophet to combine some things to try to put it in front on your face. So that when you go for the interview, they can accept you. You have made a mistake. You have made a mistake. A handkerchief for you to pass on your face. For boys and for girls. Powder. And you put a certain powder on your face. Listen, the word of God is what works. We can combine things for you. I'm a man of God too. We can combine things for you and say do this. But that is not the real thing. 
the real thing is the word of God. Okay? The real thing is the word of God. The real thing is the word of God. Who will tell you, come and let me read your palms. How do you say that in English? I'm looking into a destiny. Destiny breaker. Destiny breaker oil. It is madness. If you don't know, I'm telling you. I'm not afraid of me. I'll say what I'm supposed to say. I'm preaching to my flock. I'm not preaching to anybody else. So you have to be smart. That's why, that's why we are sharing with you the word of God and what to do with it. Okay? The word of God and what to do with it. And I've been showing you how you can get the word of God inside your system. Because the word of God is designed to be inside your system. Not outside of you. He that has my words, that's outside. You have access to my word. And keep it them as taking it inside. You see, you must have the word of God. John chapter 14, verse 21. Look at John 14, 21. King James, please. He that has my commandments, or has my word. I told you that commandments means the word. He that has my word. So that connotes the idea of having access to it. He that has my words and keepeth them. He it is that loveth me. So you must keep the word. How do you keep the word? You keep the word where? In your heart. Keep them in the midst of your heart. So I mentioned Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 to you, isn't it? 20 to 22. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 4. Verse 20. My son, attend to my words, incline thy ear unto my sayings. I've explained what it means to incline. He says, my son, attend to my words. How do, I, how do you attend to God's words? By number one, inclining your ears to his sayings. Number two, he says, not letting them, do not let them depart out of thine eyes. Verse, verse 21. Let them not depart from thine eyes. That's the second thing. So you must read it. You must hear it. Then it says, keep them in the midst of thine heart. Where do we keep the word of God? In the midst of our hearts, in our heart. And I showed you last week how that the word of God is sown in our hearts. The word of God is meant to be sown in our hearts, not in our minds. The, the, the place for the word of God to fall at the end of the day, when you are preached to, is your heart. Okay? And your heart is very important. So I began by showing you how important your heart is. And I mentioned how that the heart is the center of every man's life. Your heart is a seat, okay, and the center of your life, of your spiritual life. The heart is not the same as the mind or the soul. The Greek word for soul is suke in the Bible. And the Greek word for heart is kardia in the Bible. So they are not the same. Now, for anything to happen around you, you must keep the thing in your heart. If you want something to happen around you, it must first of all be in your heart. If it's not in your heart, you can't do it. That is why you can make a new year resolution and it won't happen. Because it's not in your heart. Your heart is the one that dictates the pace of your life. So in Proverbs chapter, the next verse, look at the next verse, verse 22. It says, keep your heart with all diligence. Have you seen it? Keep your heart with all, with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Out of it are the issuance of your life. Let's read the message. Out of your heart. It says, keep your heart. Keep your, I say, keep your heart. Keep and guard your heart with vigilance and above all that you guard. For out of it flow the springs of life. This is amplified. It flows the springs of life. But the message says, keep vigilant, watch over your heart. That's where life starts. So life starts from your heart. So you must, if, whatever you want to do, if, if I want to get a project accomplished, it must be in my heart first of all. If it's not in my heart, I can't do it. And you have to learn that. If you don't learn that, you, you'll be a trial and error type of person. 
You try this, it doesn't work. You try this, it doesn't work. You try this, it doesn't work. Because it is not proceeding out of your heart. You remember we read the scripture concerning how that all the evil thoughts and all the murders and adulteries and the fornications and all those things come out of the heart. It is a good man out of the abundance of his heart produces good fruits. So it is they are out of the abundance of his heart. Okay? Luke chapter 6, verse 25. A good man out of the good treasure of where? Of his heart. Of his heart. A good man. So if you see someone who is good, he's not good because he saw other people being good. He is good because it is something that is in his heart. It is a natural thing that flows. As soon as that good thing gets to your heart, you, you, are, you can be sure that it will come out. It will show forth around you. So you must learn how to put things in your heart. That is why it says, guard your heart. And your heart is exposed to both God and to the devil. As you are sitting here right now, God is sowing his word in your heart. The word that we are preaching is, so I went out to sow. The sound of the seed fell on good ground. This one, bad ground, by the way, and all that. And it describes the fact that the soil or the land is the heart of the man. Our heart. At the same time, the devil is also interested in your heart. So he also comes to come and take the word out of your heart. That was the word that was soon out of your heart. So as I'm preaching right now, the devil is also here trying to take the word that is coming out of your heart. That is in uh, 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 Matthew chapter 13. I've said all these things already. I'm just trying to recap so I can continue. Do you understand what I'm saying? Matthew chapter 13. Let's read verse 18. Verse 18, please. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of God of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one. Cometh who? Who is the wicked one? Diablos, the devil. And catch it, catch it away that which was sown in his heart. That which was sown in his heart. So as you are hearing, if you don't understand what is going on, if you don't make an effort to understand, if you want the word of God to just make sense on a casual level, you, you should know that it will, it will not happen. It, it will be taken out of your heart. And if the word of God is taken out of your heart, it means that it is not there. If it is not there, it means that your life is not going to show forth the word. Because what is in your heart is what shows forth in your life. <laughs> Are you understanding what I'm saying? It is what's in your heart that shows forth. So as I'm preaching to you, you the devil would want you to sleep. The devil would want you, your, your attention to go away. He would want you to think about some other things. He would want you to start commenting about how the place looks. Why is this one this one? Why didn't put this one here? Why didn't they, he, will, he will start talking to you about so many things. Just so that he can get your attention off. For him to take you away so that you don't hear the word. Then he sows another thing into your heart. And that is what you show forth. That's why the Bible says, guard your heart. Like mount guard. If you want to protect anything in your life, it should be your heart. It should be your heart, not your, your car, not your TV, not your, the things in your house. All the things in your house can be taken away. What's in your heart is what to fill your heart once again. He says, a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bring it forward, that which is good. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bring it forward, that which is evil. For out of, for, of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. So it, your heart even controls your mouth. Your heart controls your mouth. Your heart controls your life. Your very life is controlled by your heart, which controls your mouth, which controls your body. The Bible says that our mouth controls our body. So you must watch your heart. Say, I must watch my heart. Go to, let's look at Luke. Let's start from there. Luke chapter 10. Let's read from verse 27. Just to let you know that everything begins from the heart. Luke chapter 10, verse 27. Now, this is Jesus uh, talking to a certain man. One man asked him a question. 
concerning what is the greatest command. Okay? And Jesus asked him, what do you think is the greatest command? And he, he answering said, thou shalt love thy Lord, thy God. With what? What's the number one thing? With all thy heart. Then, with all thy soul. And then, with all thy strength. And then, with all thy mind. There's another place in Matthew where Jesus spoke concerning the same thing. He spoke and mentioned the greatest commands that, that is in the Bible, or that is in the law of Moses. And Jesus said that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and then with all thy mind. That's what Jesus said. Okay? Now, the same thing is said here, but this guy brings in something called strength. Iskus. Your forcefulness. What is he saying? Everything is in chronological order. First of all, thou shalt love the, the Lord thy God with all thy heart. When your heart is inside the Lord, what will happen is that your heart will cause your mind to also love the Lord. Your soul will love the Lord automatically. It starts from your heart. And when your soul starts loving the Lord, your strength is engaged as well. It will start affecting your animated... You see, the word soul is suke. Suke has to do with the animated life. Okay? Animals don't have a soul. They don't have a soul. It is man that has a soul. I see it. Uh So he's saying that your soul will control your body because your soul will be controlled by your heart. And hence you will be able to move the way God would want you to move. That is how we do the word of God. We do the word of God by first of all letting the word get into our heart. If the word gets into your heart, it will permeate your soul. So solical salvation is actually getting the word of God into your heart, making sure it stayed in your heart. When the word of God is stayed in your heart, it will, it will be responsible for the renewal of your mind. The renewal of the mind is as a result of the change of the, of the heart, or the successful sowing of God's word in your heart. Because your heart controls your soul. From what is being said here, your heart controls your soul. And your soul in turn controls your body. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2. The Bible talks about how that we should renew. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Meditation is the means of renewing your mind and consequently the salvation of your soul. Okay? It's the means of renewing your mind and consequently the salvation of your soul. So as you are hearing the word of God like this, it, it is going into your heart. You must guard the word of God in your heart. And as you do, your soul is renewed. It says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our minds? With the word of God. The word renew, uh, transformation, the word transform. It says, be transformed. The word transform is what? Metamorpho. It means to change from one state to the other. Like the, the, the transformation of a butterfly. A butterfly is not, bo- is not born with wings. It's born as a worm, small worm, lava, right? Then it's, it's with time, there's an inward change. It is not an outward change. If you see a butterfly's birth state, you will never know that it can become a butterfly. You wonder what it will become. You think it's a worm because it looks so different from what it becomes at the end of the day. But all the changes that happen, happens inward. And as it happens inward, so the word of God, the Bible chooses his words carefully. He's letting you know that the change he's talking about, the renewal of the mind that he's talking about, is inward. It starts from within before it shows without. So as you keep the word of God in your heart, it starts transforming your soul. It starts changing your soul from one state to the other. Before long, you are not thinking the same way you used to think. 
Maybe you are thinking like a poor person. Maybe you are thinking you are not of value, you are not of worth. Maybe you are thinking that nobody likes you. Maybe you are thinking that you can't be anything in your life. The word of God has a way of transforming your state, that state of mind that you have. Before long, you are thinking that you are something. Before long, you know that prosperity is mine. Before long, you know that I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Before, you may be thinking, you may be born again, but you are thinking that you are bereft of, of power, of ability. You, don't, you can't do anything in your life. Like, my life will not mean anything. Because I was born in, in, in a San Kriguar, and I didn't go to university. I didn't go to this place. I didn't go here. I didn't go there. I didn't have this experience. So I can't do much. But the word of God will transform you. Before long, you know that, ah, I can do something with my life. Yeah, some ladies think that nobody likes them, nobody will marry them. As, the word of, as you expose yourself to the word of God, before long you realize that you are thinking differently. And it starts changing your outward look. Because your mind is changing, it starts changing your outward look. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. It says, and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that you may prove, it is only through this that you may prove the, good, the word of God. Whether it, what, the good and perfect will of God. Good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. There's something called the salvation of the soul. Even though we are born again, our souls must be saved. And God has showed us the means of saving our souls. A born again child of God can be thinking foolishly. When you get born again, you don't stop thinking about ladies' bottoms. Have you talked about ladies' bottoms this, this week? In your, this week? Say the truth and shame the devil. Have you? Small. He's eh? lying. It's not small. It's plenty. He doesn't want to say everything. Hallelujah. He's my friend, so I can give him pressure. Have you, have you thought about anything like that? <laughs> Margot, how about you? You just got mine. Have you thought about someone's bottles before? I mean... Oh, why, why are you surprised? Why are you surprised? That is how... It is, so our souls are being renewed. Constantly. Before, with time, you realize that you, you, your mind can't go to certain places anymore. Yeah, but it starts from somewhere. It starts from somewhere. You must keep the word in your heart. Go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse, verse 38. Hebrews 10, 38. It says, Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Okay, next verse. Then it says, But we are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the what? saving of the soul. I told you the last time that believing is a quality of the heart. With the heart man believeth. So this one says that we are not of those who do draw back on perdition, but believe. Where do you believe with? With your heart. So by the engaging of the heart, the salvation of the soul occurs. I see it. Ah, Romans chapter 10 verse, verse uh, 9. Look at Romans 10 9. Probably you think that I'm lying. It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in where? In thine heart, we believe with our hearts. It's our hearts with which we believe. Beware that, beware that, beware so that there's no evil heart of unbelief in you. It's with the heart. I showed you that last week. Okay? With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. That's the next verse. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. With the heart, man believeth. So we believe the believing thing is a quality of the heart. You can't believe with your mind. You can't believe with your mind. That is why you can believe with your heart, but your mind is doubting. There are two different things altogether. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Look at Mark 11, 22. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Have faith in God. 23. 
For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his he shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall not doubt with his heart. It's the heart. But your mind can be, can be off. Your heart believes, but your mind is not believing. What do you need to do? You need to believe what you are believing some more. And it will affect your mind very, very soon. I see what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, he says, we believe unto the saving of the soul. Unto the saving of the soul. Look at James chapter 1, verse 20. James 1, 20. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Verse 21. Then it says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Then it says, And receive with meekness the engrafted word. Receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. So the, the word of God is what saves your soul. In the other place, it says that we are not of those who draw back unto perdition, but we are of those who believe unto the saving of the soul. Isn't it? The word of God is what leads you into the saving of your soul. So how does it work? When the word of God is sown in your heart, your heart works in such a way that it causes your soul to be saved. So it's the word, then the salvation of, the, of your soul. The word sown, successful sowing of the word, then the salvation of your soul. That is what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's how it works. So you must ensure the successful planting of the word of God in your heart. It is very important. You must, that is what it means to guard your heart. You must be so jealous of that. You must be so wild of that. It's something you should not take for granted at all. Or else there's a day coming in your life where you would want to go to a certain spiritualist. As a child of God. Before long, you are sitting with a certain prophet who is combined. He will, he will say he wants to buff you. He wants to buff you at the seashore. You'll be surprised that with your education, you'll be following him to be bathed. Who are the people who go to these Jewmen? They are, they are educated people. They park their cars by the roadside and walk through the bushes and go into the bush to go and see a man who does not have all the front teeth are gone. Yeah, so that he combines some things for them. Why? Because life is spiritual. Life is not physical. Life is not by education. Life is not by riches. Life is spiritual. And I'm showing you how you can save your own life by just meditating on the word. And I started showing you last week that all you need to do, there are two words of meditation, isn't it? Siak and then Hagar. And I started explaining to you what Siak meant. Siak means to ponder. Isn't it? To, to ponder. Just sitting down and thinking about the word of God. Just think about the word of God. Recall it. The reason why we expose our ears to the word and read the word is so that the word of God can have entrance into our spirit. Okay? The entrance of the word bringeth light, giveth light. How does the word of God enter? By engaging your eyes and engaging your ears. Listen to it. That's how the word of God will enter to you. It will enter into your spirit. That's the only way it can get to your heart. The way for the word to get into your heart is through listening, hearing, seeing, hearing, seeing, hearing, seeing. You can't engage your heart by believing until you have heard. How shall they believe in whom they have not heard? Yeah. Romans chapter 10. Look at Romans chapter 10 verse 12. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord of all is rich unto all that call upon him. Verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not what? They have not believed, first of all. You cannot call on somebody. You cannot react. You cannot have an action unless you have believed. You cannot engage in the action of calling upon the name of the Lord unless you have believed. In other words, you cannot be saved unless you have believed. 
The only way to call upon the name of the Lord is by believing. Then it says, and how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? So believing is a quality of hearing. If you hear, you will believe. If your ears are not open to the word, you will not believe. And if you are not believing, you will not have results. You can't have any action, any corresponding action. So a man's actions are controlled by his belief. And his belief is controlled by what he's hearing. What you are hearing is what conditions your heart. And what conditions your heart is what you act like. You see somebody, or a guy, the guy's like, he's a guy, he's just moving like this. He could walk like this like a gentleman. He could walk straight like a gentleman. But because of what he has been hearing, it has affected his walking style. The things that he has seen, it is affecting him. So he's just walking like this. What's up, man? I mean, you can't even understand. Why would you want to walk like that? Why? Why? No, 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 no. Why? Why would you want to? The belt is for the waist. Not for the ties. Why would you? I wish I could do that. Why would you want to open the thing and bring the thing here? The, the, the trouser is here. They say as the years go by, the, tra- the waistline begins to continuously reduce. It just drops with time. I mean, why? Because of the things you have been seeing and hearing, it forms, it forms your life. Because your heart is conditioned along a certain line. And that is exactly what you produce. You can say that, oh, what I'm watching, to not affect me. You are lying. It will affect you. It will affect you. How was Job's righteous soul vexed? Seeing and hearing. Because as he saw and heard, he believed. Therefore, his soul was vexed. And that was a result. Sorry? What did I say? I eventually. It cannot be Job. It can only be Lot. Hallelujah. Yeah, you should know it's just Lot, not Job. So that is why last week I told you that this is the most important message you can hear in your life. It, it will save you along a lot of things. Spirituality does not mean behaving a certain way. No, 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 no. It's not saying like she the Lord. No, no. Spirituality has to do with getting the word of God into your spirit, into your heart. When I say spirit, you should know I'm talking about heart. Into your heart. Okay? Into your heart. It's just like the, the sheep chewing the card. You must learn to meditate. So meditation has to do with chewing the card. You know, I'm not talking about birthday card. I'm talking about card. The Bible describes us as the sheep of God's pasture. If you believe in Psalm 23, verse 1, and you believe it, and you always say, the Lord is my shepherd, then you should know that you are a sheep. He's a shepherd of sheep. So when we call you sheep, don't be worried. Hmm? We are his sheep. Okay? So because we are his sheep, we have the qualities of a sheep, spiritually speaking. If someone is a sheep proper in the house of God, a sheep follows its shepherd. If you are a child of God and you are really correct, you will follow God. You follow his shepherds, that, and God doesn't shepherd, only, he doesn't do it alone. He's called the chief shepherd, meaning that he has under shepherds. First Peter chapter 5, verse 4. Look at First Peter 5, 4. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, he shall receive a crown of glory that faded not away. If he's the chief shepherd, then it means that they are sub-shepherds. The Bible calls the ministers under-shepherds or under-rowers. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Look at First Corinthians 4, 1. And that's not part of my message. I'm just trying to... And let you think small. Okay? Yeah. 
Let them also account of us as of the ministers of Christ. The word ministers, okay, is huperestes. Uh, huperestes. Hmm? And it means an under rower. Okay? Or an under shepherd. That's what it means. We are under shepherds of a certain shepherd who is, who is Jesus Christ. So if you claim to, to be a sheep of his pasture, you will follow the shepherd quietly. Because you know that the shepherd is the one who leads you to green pastures, lead you to still waters, and oil your head for you to be safe. Hmm? Mm-hmm. That is why you must be in church every Sunday and every midweek. And you must be you must be interested in listening to what your shepherd is saying. If you are not listening to what the shepherd is saying, you don't understand what you are talking about. You are a goat in transition to being a sheep. I'll talk about that very soon. Hallelujah. But let's go back to what we want to explain to you. We are the sheep of his pasture. Okay? We are the sheep of his pasture. And because we are the sheep of his pasture, we, we do... You see, a, a sheep has... is a ruminant, right? And sheep has one big stomach with four compartments. I've told you already, isn't it? One big stomach with what? Four compartments. What does it mean? When you are seeing and hearing the word, the, the word of God is going into you, into the first compartment. Now, what, the, what does sheep do in the, in, the, in the middle of the day? In the morning, you see them eating plants. They are just eating all over the place. Then in the afternoon, they will lie down. And they will recall the food from their first stomach. It's called regurgitation. That is called the cat. They will recall the food that they chewed initially and put inside. They will bring it back out. What they bring back out is called the cud, C-U-D. Okay? They bring it back out, and then it starts chewing once again. They chew and chew and chew and chew, and then send it back into their stomach. But when it's going back, it doesn't go into the first stomach, it goes into the second stomach. For the purpose of it becoming a part of their flesh. That is what becomes, so the green grass that they chewed, or the cassava that they chewed, is what becomes, is turned into milk. For, for them to be able to feed their children, other people, even cows, yeah, if, if you like, let's talk about cows. Cows are also ruminants. It's the same thing. They are also, they, they are a flock. They follow a shepherd. They don't just move around. I've seen a cow just moving around. I'm just moving around. And I say, where are you going? I'm on my own. I'm on my own. I'm just going to the market to go and see some one or two things. No, they always follow a shepherd. If a cow is seen alone, what has happened? He's mad. Isn't it? If a cow is seen alone, it's either he's lost or he's mad. As soon as the car starts moving in a certain way, hey, the car is mad. It will die very soon. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, the, a cow's milk comes from what he eats. A cow's flesh, its meat comes from what he eats. Because what he eats becomes a part of it. How does it become a part of it? By calling, recalling the cat. Regurgitating the card and chewing on the card. If he doesn't regurgitate and chew on the card, he will it will not become milk and it will not become meat for him. Uh-huh. So the word of God that we are we are talking about must be converted into something that becomes a part of you. That's what God seeks to do. God seeks for the word of God to be a part of you. And the means of doing that is through something called meditation. Meditation is the art of recalling the word of God. And chewing on it once again. Thinking on it once again. So meditation has to do with learning to sit down. Commenting on five minutes or ten minutes. To think about the word of God that you have read or heard already. 
When, you, when we close from church, you don't, you don't just go home and do whatever. The word that was sown into your heart will be taken away. It was sown, but it will be taken away. If you want it to stay, start thinking about it. Recall it. It has gone in already. So now recall it. Bring it to your memory. Ah, Pastor quoted Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19 to verse 22. Hey. If I'm not careful and I don't study the word, one day I'll be looking for spiritualist though. What are you doing? You are meditating. Meditation means to ponder, to worry. But now to worry about the word, to think about something. Have you, have you worried before in your life? Yeah, so last week I explained this particular part very well. Okay? That was the first part. Today I want to show you the second part. So meditation is the act of chewing the card, recalling the word. It is the cleansing power of God. Why is it the cleansing power of God? Those times, I mean in the, in the Old Testament, the Bible mentions how that there are some animals that are clean and there are some animals that are unclean. An animal that is clean must have its hooves, uh, it must have its hooves cleaved. You know hooves. The foot of the sheep must have some markings in there so that it shouldn't be complete. It should be cut in a certain way. And a sheep, a cow and all that, if you've seen a sheep's leg, you realize that it is not just one round uh, hoof. It is parted. Are you seeing it? But an ass or a horse's hooves are not parted. It's round. That makes it unclean. So that one is not clean. You can't sacrifice that to God. You can only sacrifice a sheep, a cow, a block, and all those things because of their hooves. Okay? Huh. And all those whose hooves are like that, whose hooves are parted, are the only ones who undergo regurgitation and chewing the card. They are the only ones who chew the card. Horses don't chew their card. When horses eat once, it's finished. That's it. So meditation is what separates you from being unclean to being clean. The more you meditate, the more clean you become. It's the cleaning and cleansing ability of God. In, in John chapter 15, verse 3, Jesus said that you are cleansed through the word that I've spoken unto you. You remember, I used it two weeks ago. And I mentioned how that as you hear the word of God, you are cleansed. And I explained the cleansing ability of God's word. Now, meditating on the word further cleanses you. Okay? So, when the Bible talks about, in Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verse 25, when uh, Paul was talking about the fact that husbands love their wives, even as Christ loved the church, and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. How does he do this? He does this by, first of all, you hearing the word, and secondly, you meditating on the word. The more you hear the word and meditate on it, the more cleansed your life becomes. That's how God achieves this. He sanctifies and cleanses you by the washing of water, by the word. How does he do it? By through your hearing. Jesus said you are clean through the word that I've spoken unto you. John 15, 3. I mentioned it just a few minutes ago. As you hear the word, you are cleansed. So as I'm speaking to you now, you are being cleaned. And you are being set apart. You are being sanctified unto God. <laughs> Amazingly. So if you want to rid your life of certain things, rid your life of certain impurities, rid your life of not being consistent, just expose yourself more to the word. And make sure you are thinking on the word constantly. You'll be surprised that your life is separated. You realize that your life is becoming a separated life. The way you think is not the same way every other person thinks. You'll be surprised. You'll be shocked. Your friends will start changing. You will start getting clean friends. <laughs> Hallelujah. And it imparts onto you. If you wash your clothes with Ariel... What does the aerial do? The aerial and the water 
are the cleansing ability. You can't put area on the shirt alone and then just wash it. If there's no water, it won't work. Isn't it? For the area to work, there should be water. So the area in water is what causes the cleansing. Uh-huh. God's word is the area and is the water. At the same time. If you wash your clothing, there are two things that happen. It takes away the debt. The water in the area takes away the debt. Apart from that, it imparts, the area imparts its perfume. It's freshness onto the clothes. Isn't it? In the same way, the word of God is impreg- the word of God that you are seeing it is impregnated with the perfume of God. Wow. The very the antithesis I explained it to you. Yeah. Eh? You remember? Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember the Greek word I used? Second Timothy chapter three verse sixteen. The inspiration of God. This is the word of the all scripture is by the inspiration of God, and I explained the word inspiration. And I mentioned how that the word inspiration has to do with the fragrance of God or the presence of God. Hmm? The first definition was emotion, the emotion of God. The second one is the fragrance of God or the presence of God. So it says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. The word inspiration means the emotion of God and the fragrance of God or the blowing of God through a flute. A musical instrument to make a sound, a distinct sound. Do you remember? Uh huh. Now, the fragrance of God is inside the Word of God. So, as you put it inside, it cleanses you by imparting unto you the presence of God. That is why those who read the Bible more have the presence of God with them. I don't know if you've noticed that's like you, if you, if you sometimes you see a lady whose life is like she's beautiful, it's not makeup, it's not any of those things. There's something just about the person that makes the person beautiful. It's called the charm of a quiet and a mixed spirit which comes through the word of God it is imparted as you read the word of God and meditate on it it cleanses you by imparting that's your sanctification it sanctifies you sets you apart from everybody so that you become outstanding he was sitting here but now he's set apart he's separated from everybody he's standing now everybody can see him before nobody was looking at him right now everybody's looking at him how? he has been set apart unto God the sanctification process of God is done through his word through hearing and seeing and meditation on the word, it sets you apart, cleanses your life, sets you apart. So all the impurities are taken away, first of all, and it imparts onto you the fragrance of God. Yeah. You realize your life is different. Your life is very different. Thank you very much. You may take your seat. Your life is different. I see what I'm talking about. Let me show you some more. So just merely thinking on, recall it, bring it out, bring it back up. Don't just be moving around like nothing is happening. Bring it back. As you are in a trotro, bring it back. The trotro is moving, you are shaking. As you shake like that, recall it. As you go up, then you recall it. Look at Songs of Song chapter 1. Let me just show you this. Let's show you verse 6 and verse 7. I'm showing what meditation does for you. These are the things that it does for you. Okay, so it says, Look not upon me because I am black. Because the son has looked upon me, my mother's children were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards. But mine own vineyard have I not kept. This is for ministers, for pastors, for preachers, for leaders, and for church members who are interested and involved in the work of the Lord. The work of the Lord is such that the vineyard of the Lord is the work, is the work of the Lord. The Lord, he called people into his vineyard to come and work. Okay? Now, the vineyard of the Lord is such that if you are not careful, your own life will not be taken care of. You'll be taking care of others. That is why, if you're a leader, we always preach to you your work and tell you that you must. Those of you who are here the whole week, there are so many of us here as leaders listening to the word of God throughout the week from Monday to Friday. And one of the chiefest things we're telling you was that make sure you know the word, make sure you are keeping the word, make sure you put it inside, make sure you meditate on it for yourself. 
because you can be teaching the word and the word of God will not be doing anything to you. You will just be an adokimos, a castaway. You are just a preacher who shows, a signboard who never actually goes into the venue. A sign, the signboard of the junction has never come into this building before. But it always shows people to come into this building. You just be showing people to go into the building, but you yourself will never enter. See, I don't want to be a signboard. So this guy was becoming a signboard. He says that they made me the keeper of the vineyards. Then he says, but my own vineyard have I not kept. How am I going to keep the vineyard? Next verse. Tell me, O thou whom that my soul loveth, where thou feedest, feed, where thou feedest, where thou makest thy flock to rest at noon. To rest at noon. He's talking about meditation because at noon you see the sheep lying under a tree. Then they are just recalling, quietly recalling. Then they'll be chewing. Have you seen some before? Yeah. If you look at them very well, I've, I've, I've done it so many times, so many years. I just look at them. They'll just be there, they'll just do this, and then the food will come out. It will come to, if you check their throat, you see that it is coming out into their mouth. Then they'll chew, 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 and then swallow back. They do it in the cool of the day, at noon. He says, thou, Where thou makest thy flock to rest at noon? For, where, for why should I be as one that turneth aside by the flocks of thy companions? I'm turned aside by the flocks of thy companion because of the work of the ministry. I'm turned aside from you. I don't want to be turned aside from you. So show me where you make your flock to lie down at noon so that I can meditate. Show me how to meditate. That's what he's saying. Show me how to meditate so I may sit down and think on the word. You must think on the word. Then meditation, okay, is what helps you with your thought life. Meditation helps you with your thought life. As you meditate on the word of God, your thought life, everybody has a thought life. Do you know you can catch yourself thinking about something that you didn't think you were thinking about? Sometimes you'll be there and your mind is gone. Your mind is gone. You can be here and your mind is in Afghanistan. Your mind is visiting Obama or Trump. Or you can be here and your mind is still in Nottingham or London. It's possible. Your mind will, will be in London. You are just visiting somebody in London. Yeah. And you, before you, you catch yourself, hey, what was I thinking about? Then you bring your, your mind back. Or you can meditate on someone's buttons. I don't know what the ladies think about. You can meditate on makeup or a dress, a dress that you saw. You catch yourself, hey, I was thinking about this dress. Sorry, I'm sorry. Pastor, let's, let's continue. Your mind can just travel and think about so many things. The word of God is what causes you and helps you to discern the thoughts and the intents of your heart. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. It helps you to discern. It helps you with the power of discernment. Okay? The power of discernment is what checks our thought life. And hence makes us... When we say someone is discerning, what does it mean? Discerning. Someone is a discerning person. Dictionary. Can we have design? This one says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing and hand of soul and spirit. I've explained all this to you before, isn't it? And of the joints and marrow. Then it says, And it's a designer. The word of God is a designer of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God will help you know what exactly to think of and what not to think of. What does it mean? To perceive, recognize, or comprehend with the mind. To distinguish something as being different from something else. To differentiate. To distinguish. It helps you distinguish between what you, you are supposed to think on and what you are not supposed to think on. 
It helps your mind to be, act, to be active. It is only through meditation that your, your mind can be stayed on what it needs to be stayed on. For instance, if and it helps your mind to stay on the right things. Sometimes you say you want to build a company, you want to build a business. But then the business that you want to build, you realize that your mind is not on the business. Your mind is on something else. Things that are not necessary that will not help you build your business. This meditation is what causes you to be designing to know, to set your mind from some things and focus on... It is the power of focus. That's what helps you to focus and distinguish between what you are supposed to think on and what you are not supposed to think on. <laughs> Do you understand? Without the word of God, you'll be surprised. That your mind can travel very far. The whole day, you have not been productive. The word of God is what to dictate your productivity. Meditation, the word, detects your productivity in every single thing that you are doing. That is what keeps your mind on the thing. Any single thing that you are doing, if your mind is not on, if your mind is not on what you are doing, you will not produce, you will not, it will not work. High producing people are those whose minds are on what they are doing. And meditation is an art that helps you to keep your mind focused on what you are supposed to do. Because it's a designer of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I'm a pastor, I know what it means. Your mind can leave the church. Your mind, can, you can be thinking about every other thing apart from the church that you are pastoring. <laughs> apart from the church, I mean, that's the most important thing in your life, but your mind is not on it. Your mind is on something else. Has it ever happened to you? That's why you say, oh, this year I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that. But because there's no meditation, you even forget that you said you are going to do this. You forget completely. So you have to take your time. Meditation has to do with taking your time with God's word. Okay? Taking your time to find God's word. It says those that find, it says it is medicine to those that find them. It is help. If you don't find the word, you will not get the productivity that you want. You must take your time. See, I must take my time. You have to take your time to focus on the word. Because by focusing on the word and meditating on the word, you end up focusing on everything. You must take your time to find the word. Have you seen miners before? Miners working. Miners take their time. You see them, the ones that they stand in the river and do. You see them standing in the river, they'll be shaking the thing like this. They'll shake it a little, they'll put it into the water, bring it up carefully. If you're not careful, they'll go to run away. You must do it carefully. Small, 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 small. All that work to obtain one small gold. Small gold. But what that small gold can be worth ten, $10 million. Yes. Okay? Go to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 5. The word of God is important. You must take your time with it, okay? You must take your time to find it. Like, ponder, think on the word. It's, it's that simple. Meditation siak means to think on the word, to ponder, to worry, to ponder, to worry, to think. Says, My son, if thou will receive my words, if you receive my words, and hide my commandments with thee. How do you hide it? In your heart. Hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom, and apply thine heart to understanding. Next verse. Yea, if thou Christ after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her, if you seek the word of God, 
as silver. And you search for her as for hidden treasure. It is hidden. It is a treasure that is like gold. The word of the Lord is perfect, converting the souls. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise and simple, isn't it? That it is more to be desired a day than gold. Yea, much more than gold. Sweeter also like honey, like the honeycomb. The word of God is hidden treasure. Because it is hidden treasure, you must take your time to find it. You must take your time to meditate on it. Meditation is what helps you find the word. Hallelujah. Look at the next verse 5. Says, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. You will find the knowledge of God. Psalm 90, verse 9 and 10. Take your time to find God's word. Just like a miner looking for gold. You must. The fear of the Lord is clean and during forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. They are more than gold. They are like hidden treasures. They set for it as hidden treasures. Take your time. That is why I don't, I don't normally meditate on a lot of things. I just pick one thing, start thinking on it, and it starts leading me to so many places. I shared my meditation with the leaders, uh, I think on uh, two, maybe two days or three days ago. What did I talk about? Process. Isn't it? I was doing Luke chapter 4. Jesus was told by the devil, bow down to me, I'll give you the kingdoms of the earth. That was why Jesus came. Jesus came for the kingdoms of the earth. The devil was handing it over to him on a silver platter. But Jesus said, no. No shortcuts. I don't want the shortcut. I want to go through the process. Because you knew the effect of shortcuts. The problems of shortcuts. Adam was made a full man one day. Not long after he fell because he didn't have the experience of growth. The second Adam or the second man, which is Jesus Christ, when he came, was born as a baby and grew in wisdom and in stature and in strength and learned the scriptures. That is why he could not fall. So without process, falling is your, is your, is your, is your portion. Sometimes people want to just jump into my position at once. But we don't get here by on one day, in a, in a day. You can go, and that's why people go to Juju and all those things, so that they can get it quick. But getting anything quick will lead you to your death. Jesus knew, so he didn't take it. How am I getting this information? Through meditation. I just picked, God showed me one thing, and I started thinking about it. Then he said, uh, look at the difference between David and Saul. What was the difference between David and Saul? Saul was made a king in one day. He was not looking for it. He was going somewhere, they made him a king. That was why he fell. But David was prepared to be a king. He was anointed a king. Before he became a king, he was preparing. When he was anointed to become a king, he prepared for another 17 years before he sat on the throne. It took 17 years. Yeah. Is it 17 or 13? 13 years. When he was anointed, he was 17. When he became king, he was 30. Joseph went through the process. When he started seeing the dreams, he was 17. When he became the uh, prime minister of Egypt, he was 30. So don't ignore the process. Don't get into get-rich-quick types of things. You are making a mistake. Tell him. So take your time. Okay? Listen to the word. It will, it will look like it's, a long, it's like it's a long process. But when it starts working, when your heart is full of it, it will start showing up. Hallelujah. Let's look at the next aspect of meditation. The first aspect is to think. To ponder. To worry on. 
That is Siak, S-I-Y-A-C-H, isn't it? I've showed it to you all as well. Now, the other side is Hagar, H-A-G-A-H, Hagar. And it means to matter, M-U-T-T-E-R, to matter, okay? Or to speak under breath. Or to murmur, to murmur. Have you seen someone murmuring before? You don't talk it out loud. It's under breath. What did you say? Oh, I didn't say anything. Every time you always ask, want to ask us what you are saying, you won't say anything. What did I say? Oh, I was not saying anything. Look at his head like hammer. His head like... Uh-huh. So that act of talking undertone, talking to yourself, you are not talking to anybody, you are talking to, you are remembering to yourself. That act is a quality of the spirit. It's a quality of your heart which has to do with meditation. So Hagar, say Hagar. Hagar. Look at Esther chapter 2. Do you know Esther is in the Bible? Okay, Esther chapter 2 verse 15. Esther chapter 2 verse 15. This year we are mentioning scriptures you didn't know. Like, like hey, now we're talking about, hey, this one is, hey, and it's in the Bible. You have always been reading, you have been reading Colossians chapter 2 verse 5. That's all you read. There's more. This is a story concerning Esther, okay? Who was formerly known as Hadassah, isn't it? She was called Hadassah, her, her name was changed. Now, <laughs> she, she was part of a beauty contest because the queen uh, of, uh, of uh, uh, the king then, the king of Babylon at that time, had insulted Xerxes. The queen had insulted the king and done despite to the king. The king was having a a drink up. And he had invited other kings, his sub kings, to come. They were having a drink up. As the king was so excited, he said, My wife is the prettiest woman on earth. Call my wife for me to come and come and show herself. Call my wife. They went, they called, they went, they called, they said, What, what is he talking about? I'm not coming. I won't come. Hey, she spoke proudly. I will not come. And the king's counselor said that, King, Live forever. This woman has not just disobeyed you. She has disobeyed your authority and everything around you because all your kings are here and she has decided not to come. What she has done is great. Remove her. And that same night, within 30 minutes, she was removed as queen. She lost 30 minutes earlier. She was a queen and could say, I won't come. 30 minutes later, she was nothing. She was a floor member at the back of the kingdom. They carried her. And those times, when they are demoting you, they demote you well. They demote you very well. They don't, it's not done over a period. It's done instantly. They just put you behind the horse. They don't let you sit on the horse. They put you on the horse. Put you flat, stomach flat on the horse. And they drive you somewhere, throw you inside the pit. And then they come back. That's what they did to her. So the king said, I need a new wife. Give me a new wife. Look for all the hot chicks in the kingdom. And let them come and parade before me. And Esther happened to be one of the hot chicks. So they, 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 they caught her and took her into the king's uh, house. To groom them. They groomed them over a long period. So that everybody will come to the king and show herself to the king. Now, everybody who was grooming himself or herself groomed, told the, the king's people to give her what she wanted. They wanted, they, they, like if this lady comes, okay? When she comes, she'll say to the people over there who are dressing them to say, I like this dress, I like this perfume, I like this deodorant, I like this soap, I like this one. They were choosing what they liked. And whatever you like, they give to you so that you can dress yourself, perfume yourself, and go and show yourself to the king. All of them were, were refused. All those who did that were refused. They didn't know what was happening. 
But when you got to Esther's turn, Esther said something. Look at what Esther said. Now, when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her for his daughter, was come to go in unto the king, she required nothing. She requested for nothing. He said, I don't, I'm not, I don't like anything. But what Haggai, the king's chamberlain, this was a king's chamberlain. What does it mean? What does chamberlain mean? Someone think that this is the chamber and hall of the king. <laughs> He's not the chamber and hall of the king. He's a chief servant, basically. Okay, and knows the king. He's been with the king. That means that he's been with the king for many years. And he knows what the king likes. And his name was Hegai. Hegai, the king's chamberlain. What does it mean? What does it mean? Chamberlain. Okay, this one says the king's attendant. So we're talking about the chief servant. Okay? The keeper of the women. He was in charge of the keeper of the women. Appointed. He says she didn't take anything apart from what Hegai, the king's chamberlain, gave to her. So she depended on her guy to give her. Not she going for. She sat down for the king's chamber, chief chamberlain to give her things. So he arrayed her and gave her the perfumes that needed to be given. Everything. Because he had knowledge of what the king wanted. And Esther obtained, because of that, Esther obtained favor in the sight of all them that looked upon her. Next verse. So Esther was taken into the king Ahasuerus, into his house, into his royal house in the tenth month. Which is the man Tibet, and in the seventh year of his reign, verse 17. And the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. How did Esther arrive at this place? Because she took her time for the king's chamberlain, who knew the king. To array her in all her clothing. Her guy, the guy's name, her guy, is from the is from the Hebrew word Hagar, which means to meditate. What does it mean? If you allow yourself to meditate, meditation will give you all the decoration you require for your life and for your godliness, causing you to have grace and favor before all men. And giving you the crown that you need in this natural life. It will place a crown on your head. That is why David said, Blessed are the man who does not stand in the council of God, blah, blah, blah. He says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in it does he meditate day and night. That is, for he shall be. He shall be what? He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers who bringeth forth fruits in the season. Hallelujah. So Haggai is from the word Haggai. He decorated her. If you allowed yourself to meditate, meditation will decorate you and make you a king. Hallelujah. So how, do, how does Hagar function? Let's see how Hagar functions, okay? I've taught you about siak, which is a pondering and thinking. So there's a way you think about it, but you don't only think about it. You talk the word too. So Hagar is the aspect of talking, engaging the mouth in talking the word. Psalm 5 verse 1. Psalm 5 verse 1. Book of Psalms. So it is the talking that ornaments you. Have you seen it? Yeah. It is Hagar that ornaments you and clothes you. Siak brings the perfumery of God on you. But Hagar decorates your life. Brings you into success. Are you there? Yeah. Both of them are meditation. 
He says, give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. So David's meditation was what? Was his words. Are you seeing it? Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. He says, think about, give ear to my words. I'm speaking, give ear to my words. Then he says, consider my meditation. His words are his meditation. So meditation has to do with talking. You must talk. You must not only think on the word, you must also talk the word. You must not only think on the word or ponder on the word, you must also matter or murmur the word. You must talk the word. See, I must talk the word. Joshua 1.8. Go to Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. This book of the Lord shall not depart out of your mouth. This book of the Lord shall not depart out of your mouth. He didn't say out of your heart. He says out of your mouth. But thou shalt meditate there in day and night. Thou shalt talk the word. The meditate here is Hagar. To talk the word. Thou shalt talk the word. Day and night. Eh? Day and night. You shall talk the word day and night. So, you must learn to talk the word. Say, I must learn to talk the word. Hagar. Give ear unto my words. Consider thou my meditation. Give ye unto my word. Consider that my meditation. This is what the Lord shall not depart out of your mouth. Look at Romans chapter 10 verse 8. Romans chapter 10 verse 8. But what's yet it? The word is nigh thee. Even in thy and in thy heart. So it's on your mouth first before it can enter your heart. So a means of sowing the word in your heart is by meditation, which is by talking. You must say it. It says even in thy mouth and then in thy heart. However, pondering on it also causes it to go into your heart, isn't it? Uh huh. And your heart being full is what causes your mouth to talk. So it's a dynamo effect. As you, as your heart is full of it, your mouth will talk. And as your mouth talks, your heart is full. As your heart is full, your mouth talks. As your mouth talks, your heart is full. Or like that. It goes like that. Are you seeing it? Uh huh. So how do we do it? What are we talking about? How do I talk the word? How do I talk the word? Or why must I talk the word? Okay. Why must I do it? Because uh, when God speaks, he speaks once, but you must hear it twice. Let me show it to you. Let's read Isaiah 34, first of all. Then we'll come back to all these ones. Okay? Isaiah chapter 34, let's read verse 16. Why must I talk the word? Why? Because when God speaks once, we must hear it twice. Seek ye out the book of the Lord and read. He says, look for the word of God and read it. No one of these shall fail. None shall want her mate. For my mouth, it has commanded it. And his spirit, it has gathered them. So when you, you read the word of God, the word of God is God speaking. He says, my mouth has commanded it. My mouth is the one talking it. Now, look at Psalm 62 verse 11. What God speaks is one side. What God speaks must be reiterated. Okay? God has spoken once. Twice have I heard. Have I heard this? That the power belongeth unto the Lord. Once has he spoken, twice have I heard. So when God speaks, you must hear, he will speak once, but you must hear it twice. And how are you going to hear it? You are going to hear it by saying it to yourself. Okay? Okay. Let me show you. Should I show you this? Yeah. Revelation chapter 1 verse 16. Look at Revelation chapter 1 verse 16. Let me show you this. This is a description of Jesus' present state. How it looks like. John had a revelation of Jesus. And he said this about him. He was describing how Jesus looked like. 
So he says, and he had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. He says, out of his mouth went what? A two-edged sword. Out of the mouth of Jesus Christ went a two-edged sword. Take note of that. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. Look at Hebrews 4 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So the word of God has is two-edged. Jesus is the word of God. In his mouth is the two-edged sword. I see it. Two-edged means double-edged. Two-edged means double. The word two-edged is from the Greek word diastomos. D-I-S-T-O-M-O-S. Diastomos. Di means double. Stomos means mouth. Okay? Stomos means what? Mouth. So the word of God is two-mouthed. The word of God is not one mouth. He says the word of God is quick and powerful and suffered than any two-edged sword. Jesus had a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. That means that the word that he was speaking was two-edged sword. Was, was a two-edged sword. The word of God is two-edged. It's double-edged. Now when God speaks, how do... And the two-edged sword is the, the double ability of God's word. The, the ability of God's word is two-edged. Now for the word of God to cut and to make... Give you results. For you to get results, you must speak the word. Why? Because when God speaks, he's spoken once. That's the one-edged. Your speaking makes it two-edged. Hallelujah. 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 Die what? Die stomachs. Die is double. Stomachs is mouth. Mouth. That's what it means. Stomachs means mouth. It's from the word stoma. It means mouth. So double-mouthed. Okay? Double mouth or double bladed. The word stomos also means the edge of a, of a weapon. The edge of a, of a sword. So for the word of God to work, okay, for it to be active in your life, you must say what he has said. You must say what God has said. Since once have I heard, when God speaks, God has spoken once. But twice have I heard. How do I hear twice? I must repeat what God has said. That is why in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and verse 6, look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6, it shows us the principle of making the Lord of God work in our lives. The principle of meditation through speaking. You must speak it. The Jews, do you know how the Jews meditate? Even right now, in our day, they go to the wailing wall. They stand there with their Bibles, with the Old Testament, and they recite it. You see them doing this by the wall. And they'll be saying some things. The word of the Lord shall be in your heart. It shall be in your mouth. It shall do this. It shall do that. They are repeating the word of God to themselves. Because for the word of God to be active and work on them, for it to change their lives and shape their lives, they must speak it to themselves. That's the other aspect of meditation. Not just thinking, but muttering, memorying, bringing it out, haggaying it, rowing it. Hallelujah. This one says, let your conversation be with that covetousness. Let your life be with that covetousness. And be content with such things as you have. For he has said... I will never, for God has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. He says, look, he says, for he has said, so that we may boldly say. He has said, so that we may boldly say. If he doesn't say, you can't boldly say. Do you understand? So you say what he has said. If you don't say what he has said, it won't work. 
The word of God is double-edged. Say it is double-edged. double-edged. That is what conditions your life for success. So what he has said, you repeat the same. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake, forsake you. The amplifier says, I will never, 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 and I know circumstances. Let's read it. Go to verse 5. Let your character or moral disposition be free from love of money, including greed, avarice, lust, and craving for earthly possessions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down. Relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. It's a double negative. Next verse. Look at the next verse. Then it says, So we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently and boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? Man can't do anything to me because of what God has said. But I must repeat what God has said in order for man not to be able to do anything to me. For that word to be activated in my life, for what God has said to be activated in my life, I must speak it. If I don't speak it, it will not be active in my life. So my confidence is in repeating what God has said. My success is in repeating what God has said. The word is 90, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. So you must say it. If you are not saying it, it won't work. Thou shalt meditate therein, day and night. This is because the Lord shall not depart out of thy mouth. Out of thy mouth. You must say it. You must say it. You see, you must. You must experience the word of God. Matthew chapter 13, verse 18. Let's look at Matthew 13, 18 and 19. Let me show you something there. Ah. Lego Hushatalabaya. See how meditate therein. This is how to eat the word. This is how to get. So as you speak the word of God like that, your, your, your whole system is conditioned. Your body, your life, your soul, everything is conditioned for the word of God. For you to live out the word. <laughs> That's how it works. That's how it works. You must declare your righteousness. As you are reading, hmm? for he was made sin, who knew no sin, so that I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You don't just read it with your eyes, you speak it with your mouth. For he was made sin, who knew no sin, so that I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. As you say that, it becomes your reality. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. Next verse. When one heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then come in the, word, the, the evil with the wicked one and catch up with that which was sown in his heart. This is he which you see by the wayside. Next verse. It's okay. It says, when he understood it not. The reason why he didn't produce results was because he didn't understand it, isn't it? Now, the one who produced results is the one who kept it in his heart and understood it, isn't it? Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, the word understanding here is sunemai. S-U-N-I-E-M-I. And it means to have a putting together, to hold, to take control of. It also means to make you act. It sends you to send you. <laughs> okay? So when understanding comes, you, the word of God controls you. It control, understanding is what controls you and sends you. And causes you to have a me- proper mental putting together of what has been said so that you can do it. That's what I'm talking about. Now, the word Sunemai also means to experience with the senses. To experience with what? The senses. It's the same thing. To cause the senses to move the way they are supposed to move. To go where they are supposed to go. Now, if I'm reading the Bible, I'm only engaging my sense of sight, isn't it? Only my eyes are looking. 
and I'm reading it in my mind, with my mind. My eyes are engaged, my mind is engaged. But when I start confessing the word, or speaking the word, two more of my senses are engaged. My sense of speech and my sense of hearing is engaged as well as my sense of seeing. The experience of God's word, my experience of God's word is dependent on my speaking God's word. As you speak God's word, your sense of speech is conditioned to go along that line. Your sense of hearing is conditioned to go along that line. Your sense of sight is conditioned to go along that line. Remember, your mouth controls your body, so your whole body is controlled along that line. Hallelujah. Are you in the church or have gone home? So if you want the word of God to start producing literal results around you, you have to start talking it. Okay? That leads you into doing the word. So we'll have to talk about logos and rima, but I'll not, I'll not talk about it for now. We don't have time. We'll pick it later. Okay? Remember there were three aspects. Of the first aspect was seeing and hearing. Isn't it? And engaging your heart. All that is eating the word. Then the second aspect is speaking the word. Isn't it? That has to do with doing the word. Now, this is that we are still on the third part of meditation. But meditation starts conditioning your spirit. It starts conditioning your heart and starts conditioning your body to go where God wants it to go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So as you speak the word of God to yourself, your confidence is based on that. Your life going where it's supposed to go is based on that. Look at Isaiah chapter 31. Isaiah chapter 31, let's read verse 4. See, I'll speak the word. Say it again, I'll speak the word. Diastomos. Activating the sword of the spirit. The Bible talks about the sword of the spirit. Hmm? The sword of the spirit was not in Jesus' hand when he was seen with the sword. Jesus' sword was not in his hand when he was seen with the sword. His sword was in his mouth. So the sword of the spirit is not in our hand. The sword of the spirit is in our mouth. And it is the sword of the spirit that you make way for yourself. Isaiah 49, verse 1, verse 2. Let's go to Isaiah 49, verse 2, and then we'll come to Isaiah 31. And he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand has he hid me, and made me a polished shaft, and his quiver has he made He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. You make... Shiligasute minona hadevile hekoshia. Lego hosate nebea. Engage the word. It is your life. Did you ever hear Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Continue. In green pastures. He leads me beside the storages. He restored my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the What are you supposed to be doing in the presence of your enemies? Are you not supposed to be fighting? Why did he say eating? It says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. How do we fight as Christians? We fight as Christians by eating. Now, I've showed you how to eat the word. I'm showing you the last part of eating the word, which has the offense part, the fighting part. 
The fighting part has to do with declaring the word of God, saying the word of God. And he says that that is the, it is your mouth. Eh? Your mouth is where the sword is found. So how do you fight? You fight by eating. How do you fight? You fight by just reading the word. As you are reading the word of God like that and confessing it to yourself. Thou prepares a table before me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That is how you win your battles. You win your battles by saying, Yea, though. You may be going through a shadow in your life. You say to yourself, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Though I go through the waters, I shall not be drowned. Though I go through the fire, I shall not be burned. It's all in the Bible. Shadrach and Meshach went through the fire, they were not burned. I will not be burned. As you confess the word of God like that, that is how you fight. It is the first part of your fight. Then you start lifting your voice. Says your mouth is a sword. Your mouth, he says, it's made the, your mouth like the, the edge of a weapon. For making your way through life. For cutting your way through. I don't want to mingle it with the other part of fighting faith, the fight of faith. I don't want to do that. That's why I'm not going in there. But it leads straight into that side. It leads straight, but it begins like that. You conf- you're maturing it. That is how you win your battles. You win your battles by confessing the word of God. <laughs> he has said, so that I may boldly say, I will never be poor in my life. Pros- pros- poverty may be staring at you in your face. What do you do? You don't, you don't just think. Start talking. Start talking the word. Isaiah chapter 31 verse 4. Look at Isaiah chapter 31 verse 4. Let me show it to you. For thus said the Lord, spoken unto me. He says, for thus has the Lord spoken unto me. Like as the lion and the young lion roaring on his prey. Roaring on his prey. The word roaring there is Hagar. So Hagar means to roar. To roar the word. <laughs> he says, this is how it says. It's like a young lion who has seen his prey. A young lion who has seen a sheep that is going to kill. He says, no matter when the multitude of shepherds, no matter the shepherds that are called forth against him, he says, he will not be afraid of their voice, nor abase himself for the noise of them. He shall not be afraid of his voice, nor abase himself. When you want to accomplish a task, the lion wants to accomplish a task of killing this sheep and eating the sheep, but they are enemies. The enemies are the shepherds. Who are gathered against a lion? He says that meditation is like a roaring lion, a young lion. This is a young lion means a lion in his in his fullness, a lion in his his prime. He says no matter the number, even if a multitude of shepherds are called against him, he shall not be afraid nor abase himself. He shall not be moved. So meditation like this is what causes you to not have fear in your heart, no matter what is happening around you. If you are going to accomplish something and there's the attack. Things are shaking. Things are. You, he says, he will not be abased. The way to make sure you are not moved by circumstances is by meditation. Hagar, rowing the word. You roll the word. You roll the word. You speak it out loud. It starts with the matter. I will not fail. I will not fail. I will not fail. Then it starts elevating. I will not fail because greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. The word of God is working in me. I shall not go down. This project is going to work. We will build God a house and nothing and nobody will stop it in the name of the Lord Jesus. That is meditation. It says, no matter the number of multitudes of shepherds that are called against him, he shall not be afraid and he shall not abase himself for the noise of their voice. You understand? He will not be abased. He will not even move. He will still be focused. He will still be focused on the purpose, the reason why he's existing. His eyes are still going to be on that thing. He's going to accomplish what God has called him to accomplish. That is the way to fight your battle. 
Thou preparest a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Fight by eating. Fight by meditating. Fight by confessing the word. Rather than putting my feet and just thank God for what I said with you. God bless you for listening. Keep listening to the word as Christ is made the center of your world. For prayer and counseling, call 024-563-8314 or send an email to info at christworldinc.com. God bless you.